Welcome to Blitzcats, an NFL Draft podcast brought to you by NFLDraftBlitz.com. And now, your hosts, Alex Kavtov and Ed Hunt. Welcome back to another episode of Blitzcast. And uh, we're going to start the show with a feud that Ed has had on Twitter with the certain Steelers personality. I didn't expect it, but Ed is going to explain to us what this is all about. But first, tell our listeners who Mark Madden is, Ed. Mark Madden is a radio personality in Pittsburgh, and he's got a social media following. And basically, his strategy is pretty much all publicity is good publicity to him. So that's that's kind of him on a nutshell. Do you basically find him as a guy who bashes the Steelers and the Steelers players quite often? I think part of his shtick is he's he's not like, he doesn't say he's like a Steeler guy. I mean, one of the things that was kind of part of this sort of Twitter feud was he kind of says like the bloggers like me, you know, I mean, there's no, it's no secret I'm a diehard Pittsburgh Steelers fan and I'm always going to be a diehard Pittsburgh Steelers fan. That's why I do this. You know what I'm saying? I mean, uh, on some level, I love this Pittsburgh Steelers. I love football. I love covering the draft. I love watching college football. I'm a fan of the game. <laughs> I mean, his claim is is that, you know, I want objective reporting. I don't know what you mean by that. I can, I can be an objective reporter. I can say the Steelers offensive line is not going to be very good and still root the heck for the Steelers offensive line. I mean, I, I you can do both. He's playing a game and he's, uh, you know, he's, I mean, he's been in the business for a while and this is what he does. How did this Twitter feud come about? I mean, a lot of it started with, I mean, I, I had always heard from Steelers Twitter about, I like to talk to Steeler fans about the Steelers on Twitter. And th- there was always something on my news feed about how, you know, Mark Madden is a jerk and Mark Madden, you know, not a good guy and I don't know. I mean, some of it's probably fair and some of it's not. But he went after a blogger and, you know, a Steeler blogger. And, you know, I mean, this is a guy who, I mean, one could say he's a competitor. I mean, you know, he's he's about similar following and so forth. But I just felt like we, we had to, we it's like a hockey game. You, you know, they hit your guy. You know, I think the right thing to do when the bully does that is to is to say this is not cool. You know, to to hit back. That got me into some some deep waters. I mean, not deep deep waters, but I mean, you know, it got it got me into some trouble on Twitter. Did Mark Madden respond to you, or did his trolls respond to you? Well, Mark Madden basically went on a feud where he said these are pretend media the term he uses pretend media so let let me let me debunk that for one so i follow a lot of people a lot of sports writers you know i i don't ever use their stuff but i i i know what's out there and i know my product is just as good as all of them i'm not as big as all of them but i love what i do my product is good my scouting reports are real they're based on objective facts Um, i spend a lot of time doing it you know, one of the things I said to Mark Madden, you know, as a response was, Mark, you haven't scattered 1% of the players I have. 
you know, and and, and I think that's true. And I, I don't think he really responded to that. But he, he called us he called us basically pretend media. And he said, you know, when 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 I tweeted that it was not cool that he did that, and, and trying to stick up for fellow bloggers, he he pretty he pretty much said, you know, another another pretend media guy. People said this on Twitter is you know he's scared of how there's kind of a revolution in how sports are going to be covered. I mean, you know, it, it, it's going to be more diffused. It's going to be more grassroots and people like me are going to have a voice. And, you know, it's a, I mean, he said it himself. It's like, th- this might be the last generation that makes big money off of radio. I mean, in the future, I think, you know, platforms will get better. Technology will get better. I mean, we've seen it with so many other things. I think, you know, someone like me being a blogger will be more commonplace for how these teams are covered. People are listening less and less and less to the radio. I mean, there's kind of Sirius XM. I mean, that's expensive. But I mean, AM radio is not what it used to be. Doing a podcast is pretty much the same thing. I get my opinion out there. It's a changing landscape. I mean, it's just, you know, there's a lot of the older generation that doesn't understand what a podcast is. And, you know, Mark Madden's people are are typically a little bit older and typically used to kind of, you know, listening to the radio. And so, I mean, I, I just think, you know, with the millennial generation, with the internet and how easy it is to access podcasts, I, I think podcasts are kind of the, the direction of sports radio. It is. Podcasts, blogs, I mean, it's here to stay, and it's in the present. This isn't just the future. I mean, this is the present right now, and, and that's why the, the regular newspapers are going out of business. That's why, you know, radio stations are shutting down, and, and personalities aren't getting paid as much. That's why we're seeing ESPN, you know, letting go of a lot of expensive employees just because, hey, they can't keep up with the times, and ESPN is ESPN. And when that's happening at like one of the biggest networks out there, then you realize that they're in trouble. Right now, news sources come from different whereabouts. And uh, there is a place for bloggers. There is a place for podcasters. I mean, Mark Madden is an old-fashioned guy. He made his business. He was able to get on the radio. And right now, he's trying to hang on to that last piece of information that he has. He doesn't have that much left. I mean, I'm sure he's going to, once he leaves radio in Pittsburgh. I'm sure he's going to start his own podcast out there, Ed. Have no doubt about it. Yeah, I just I wanted to find out about the feud just because I saw a couple of tweets, but I didn't know how that came about. And that's why I suggested that you and I discuss it on the air. We're not trying to get a few extra listeners. We're just trying to get the story out there and uh, just trying to stick up for all the bloggers out there. So Mark Madden is new is not too optimistic about the Steelers this season. Yeah, I mean, one of the things he says is 7 and 10. And there's things he does that are just, I don't know, they're, they're kind of annoying. Like, he likes to pick on, you know, people like Juju, people like Chase Claypool. You know, he, he kind of says Juju's the next Antonio Brown in the way that Antonio Brown kind of f- fell apart. And, you know, Antonio Brown is getting his life together. His legal situation's getting better. I mean, he just won a Super Bowl. As a fan of football, we we have to want these guys to succeed. It was it was kind of low hanging fruit. I mean, he's just a guy who he thinks all publicity is good publicity. Uh, he loves Twitter feuds, and um, you know, a few of his supporters kind of went after me. Uh, really tried to insult the heck out of me. It it got under my skin, but it it really doesn't bother me. 
because I know that my product is good. Uh, I know what I, I know what I'm talking about. I know I do more research than Mark Madden does. You know, there's just there's just different ways of doing this. I like to be a fact-based journalist. I look at, I don't always say this, but I look at analytics. I look at film. I look at attributes. I look at stats. There's a lot of factors that go into, you know, my opinion, but it's, it's based on data, right? It's, it's, it's like a science for me. Um, and, and it takes a long time and it's a lot of work, but it's what I love. You know, I think some of these you know, radio, uh, old radio guys, they kind of have the rock star personality. You know, they have the hot takes, the polarizing takes. And I just think that that's a big problem in media nowadays. I mean, it's just, you know, we see it with Fox News. We see it with CNN. It's like these, all these hot takes and they're, you know, they get people scared and they get people excited and gives them ratings and so forth. But it's, it's really not honest and it's really not doing any good. But this Twitter feud had a little positive effect on you. So talk about that. Let's focus on the positives here. You know, there's kind of a movement to say, hey, you know, support these sort of fanboy media or, you know, pretend media is what they're saying. I don't consider myself pretend media. But yeah, I mean, you know, a few tweets that I had were very simple opinions that went viral after this. So, I mean, there's... (laughs) I don't know if it's the platform or what what it was, but it definitely drew attention to myself. That's not the way I want to draw attention to myself. I'm not, I don't see myself as that. I, I like to be a guy who, you know, looks at all the stats and be the guy who, you know, gives you the most honest perspective on the internet or, you know, especially around the draft. Feuds drive attention to yourself. It's not like people are trying to, some people actually try to cause feuds. So they draw attention to themselves. And this is the first real feud that you've been a part of. We just wanted to set the record straight. You know, we didn't want to give Mark Madden these 10 minutes of fame on our podcast here. Just wanted to explain the situation. So we're going to go back to what we do best. And that is scouting reports, breaking down players, something that a lot of media sources out there don't know anything about. Let's start with the player that I believe is going to be a top three pick in the 2022 NFL Draft, even though he might not be a a finished product right now, but you can see him getting to possibly being the player that the Bosa brothers have become, or uh, what Miles Garrett has become, or what Chase Young has become. And we're talking about Kayvon Thibodeau, uh, Oregon defensive end. He is going to be a sophomore this year, but three years removed from being from high school. So he's going to be eligible for this year's draft. Let's put him under the scouting microscope. The main category of what he succeeds at, I mean, he's he's a phenomenal athlete, right? Like he's a five-star. This is a guy who, you know, is going to test off the charts. He's that athlete, right? I have to say though, I mean, when I when I dig a little bit deeper, I mean, he has a decent punch. I think he has some hand fighting ability. You know, he's got a quick first step. I mean, you know, great athletes can always have a great qu- quick first step. He's 6'5", 250 pounds. You could add another 15 pounds to him in his frame and, you know, make him a defensive end. And he could be very strong, too. I mean, that's, that's an area where he can go. I think the weakness is the, the strength category. I mean, he's just... He's not a guy who's pushing the pile. 
I think to be a good pass rusher, you, you got to have the strength and the, and the athleticism. This is why I'm actually not as high on this guy as maybe you are, Alex. I think everybody's high on this guy, Ed. Just because what you mentioned, uh, the, the size, the athleticism, the speed, the, the long arms, the ability to you know pack on easily another 10 or 15 pounds, get stronger. Uh, he had a huge freshman season in terms of the tackles for loss, in terms of the sacks. Last year, he kind of fell off. He didn't have those big sack numbers. There are a lot of games that he was putting a lot of pressures on the quarterback, and he was getting credited with those quarterback pressures, but he wasn't coming up with those the big numbers, the tackles for loss, the sacks. Ed, making a mistake again, just like the Chase Young situation. You know, it's all about a projection. NFL teams are drawn to these physical specimens. I mean, when you see Jadavian Clowney go number one overall, when you have Chase Young go number two, you know, when you see Nick Bosa go number two, you you don't have to be an Ostradamus to realize that this guy is going to be a top three pick if he stays healthy just because of, of everything that he has and his ceiling is high. And I do think he's strong at the point of attack. There's a difference between being a big pass rusher, like a really good top pass rusher, and being able to stop the run. And he does that. He's not elite at it, but he's like above average. The one thing that really stands out about Thibodeau to me is his motor. I mean, when you have a guy that talented, like Jadavian Clowney always like shut off his motor. He kind of ran hot and cold. Julius Peppers was also another guy that's kind of ran hot and cold. But Thibodeau always gives it his all. He's always chasing running backs from behind. He's chasing quarterbacks when they're moving out of the pocket, and that's what you like to see. I mean, you want to see that motor because it's one thing to have the athleticism. It's one thing to have the speed, and he doesn't have a counter move yet. He doesn't have a pass rush planned yet because he's got a speed rush, he's got a bull rush, and that's about it. He's not advanced in that regard, but I'm hoping that he takes that step forward, uh, develops a counter move, develops a pass rush plan, once he does that, you you can see him becoming a, a really high pick in, in the 2022 NFL draft. And, and if like a top team doesn't need a quarterback, I can see Kayvon Thibodeau being in the conversation for that number one overall pick. I understand the pick, but to be honest with you, it, it, on my board, I just see him as more of a top 10 guy as, as opposed to a top three guy. I just... I mean, one thing is, is like you talk about his run defense and, you know, the guy has a nose for the football and I'm not saying, you know, he's a liability in run defense, but uh, I see him getting out muscled in the run game. I don't know. I mean, you can have all the athleticism, but until I see him put that 15 pounds on and really be able to shed blocks, I mean, I, I just, I can't agree with you on his run defense. We seem to disagree there, but... It's about the upside. It's about the projection. We've seen plenty of guys go high just because of what they could become because he's still a 20-year-old a young man that has an opportunity to just develop into a beast. And he is taking his game to the next level. And I do think he's going to be one of the better defensive players in the nation this year, period. Not only in the Pac-12, but just overall. And when you combine everything, that he has and the possibility of him taking his game to another level because he's going to get a year wiser. The sky is the limit for this kid. Uh, that's all I'm saying. And he's going to be compared to some of the 
bigger pass rushers that have come out that I've already mentioned. The Bosa brothers, the the Miles Garretts, the the Chase Youngs, because I think Thibodeau is going to be in the conversation for the Heisman Trophy. I just think he's going to have one of those big years. People usually do. That last year, you know, that before he's about to come out. Definitely a guy to keep an eye on because I think he's going to be one of the main challengers to Spencer Rattler. We get closer to the NFL draft. All right, let's turn our attention to the offensive side of the ball. We're not going to look at just one player. We decided to look at the position. And we like to talk about wide receivers on this show. Let's talk about some top wide receivers that are going to be available in the 2022 NFL draft. I've scouted a few more seniors, but the guys that I I want to talk about today are mostly underclassmen. But there is one senior, and that's Chris Olave, um, wide receiver from Ohio State. The guy is 6'1". He's a 188-pound guy. Played his first three years at Ohio State, so, I mean, plenty of playing experience. Third-team All-Big Ten in 2019. He was a three-star recruit out of high school. So a weakness, I'll start with a weakness. He has trouble with his release off the line of scrimmage. But the guy sinks his hips and has good technique as a route runner. You know, he's a guy who can play the outside and the inside for the Buckeyes. And I, th- I actually think that's what you can use him in the NFL. I think he's got that 6'1 height that you can kind of move around in an NFL offense. You know, he could be sharper on his routes, but I think he's a good route runner. On the deep ball, he tracks the ball well, and he has great hands. He's got great body control. That's a strength of his. He really understands leverage, and he understands coverage. Because last year, plenty of times when Justin Fields was looking in the direction of Chris Olave on third down. But you really understand that when a quarterback is looking for you in that critical situation, he's looking for you to pick up that first down. And Justin Fields was always looking in Chris Olave's direction because he, he knows how to create separation. He knows how to get open. It's really like an art for him to him. He's quick. He's a good route runner, like Ed said. Does he give you a vibe of, like, Calvin Ridley a little bit? That isn't necessarily where I would go. I I don't love, like, comparisons. There's maybe, like, one comparison a draft that, like, really fits. I mean, I thought, like, Justin Fields and Cam Newton was one of them. But there's too many factors to really, like, say one is the other. What I like about Chris Olave is this is a guy who's, who's been consistently producing for the Ohio State Buckeyes. Um, We've seen, you know, year after year, uh, schools like Ohio State produce wide receivers. I don't see him as like a a high, like he's not a top 10 pick. Well, Calvin Ridley wasn't a top 10 pick. I think uh, Chris Olave is a little bigger than Calvin Ridley. No, in terms of size, they're about the same. Because him and Ridley are about six feet. I mean, let's be honest. Olave is going to measure at about six feet. You mentioned that he's 188. I think Ridley was like 190 around the combine. So they're about the same size. The point that I'm trying to make is they're both smooth route runners. They both sink their hips. They're both able to create separation. You know, they get open. They're not going to be like number one guys in an offense. I agree with that. They're more like number two guys because Olave is... He's a good athlete, not a great athlete. He's not going to jump out out of the gym. He's not going to like pick up yards after the catch. He's more of a possession guy. Going to find more success in the short, intermediate area than the deep area in the NFL, in my opinion. And he's going to be a guy that you're going to move around. Like you don't necessarily like always put him in the 
outside. He can move in the slot. You know, you could put him in different positions. And I think in that regard, just because I don't see him as a top 10 guy, I think he's going to drop a bit. He's going to be drafted somewhere in the 20s. You know, he's not going to blow everyone out of the water. He doesn't have like 4-3 speed. I think he's more of a high 4-4 guy. And I just think that him and Ridley, very similar players. Um, I think Olavi might be able to take his game to another level this year and become even a better route runner, if that's possible. Uh, let's talk about another Ohio State wide receiver. I mean, you mentioned the Buckeyes producing a lot of great wide receivers, and there's another one out there. He's a junior, and his name is Garrett Wilson. I, this is a guy I've studied a little bit too. Um, you know, an incoming junior. He's six foot, one hundred and ninety-three pounds. He's played since his freshman year. This is a guy who who who's more highly touted out of high school. He's a five-star recruit. He has four or five speed, which I'm going to talk about more. I think he projects as a slot guy in the NFL. I think he's more of a slot guy. He's he's done both for Ohio State. I think he needs a better core body strength as a run blocker. I think he needs to track the ball better on the deep ball. I also I'm concerned about his speed. If he's if he's a first round pick, this is a guy who, who who's kind of in that you know wait and see category. I think last season he hauled in 43 passes for 723 yards in only eight games. You know he's athletic. They they trust him on end rounds. He's got good body control. I think his hands are a bit of an issue at times because I've seen some drops on film from what I've seen. I like Olave better than Garrett Wilson. I have to say that I think Garrett Wilson's ceiling is a bit higher than Olave's. So we'll, we'll see if he's going to be able to take his game to another level. Let's talk about some other guys, some other underclassmen that can make a name for themselves this year. I think Drake London from USC is worth talking about. He's also an incoming junior. He's 6'5", 210 pounds. Um, he's been productive since his freshman year. You know he's been behind a lot of good guys. Second team all Pac-12 in 2020. He's a big body who's willing to go over the middle. He actually lined up in the slot for the Trojans, which is an interesting way to use him. Drops are a problem that I'm seeing on tape. He's a guy who can you can throw the ball like a screen to and he can break tackles uh run after the catch he can he can power over guys he can track the ball well what what i would say about him he's a wide receiver who's like a receiving tight end he's he's six foot five so he's gonna tower over you he's got a big body he's 210 but i mean he's he's got those wide shoulders you know what i'm saying so he's he's a guy who's gonna be a big target um i think they use him in the slot it's almost like kind of like a move tight end he is a wide receiver, so you could really use him on the outside, in the inside to win a matchup. This guy runs through defenders. I mean, it's really tough to bring him down. It takes like two or three defenders to get him on the ground. So he's just a tough physical player who refuses to go down. And he's got a basketball background. He knows how to kind of outbox those defenders. He knows how to use his body and his long arms and his frame. He's not going to be a big speed guy. Sure, he's going to run somewhere in the four sixes, high four fives, and that's it's a good outcome for him. You know, the NFL likes those big wide receivers, and that's the mold that he kind of fits in. I'm expecting a huge year from Drake London this year just because of 
Amon Ross St. Brown has moved on. USC loves those big wide receivers. I'm expecting it just for him to break out. Anybody else you want to mention? Yeah, I mean, I think we should talk about George Pickens from Georgia. You know, he's an incoming true junior, so he could come out next year. Another five-star recruit. He's 6'3", 200 pounds. He's shown some late life. 200-yard-plus reception games at the end of 2020. He was kind of breaking the right way, and then he tore his ACL in practice of March 2021. So, um, you know, right now he's not really on a depth chart. He's he's going to have to kind of get back, and, um, you know, that could take a little bit. But um, as far as, you know, what I see on tape, needs to work on as a release off the line of scrimmage. Clearly has speed. I mean, he is, I mean, when you talk about size and speed, kind of guy this guy has it if he can recover from this acl injury one thing that i like about him and i think you know nfl scouts are going to like about him is he's got physicality it seems like he's looking for contact and you don't see that with really receivers i mean it's like you know receivers want to protect themselves you know they're the guys going out for the pass making the big money but this is a guy who's looking for contact so it's refreshing i mean especially a guy who's a five-star recruit who's got good height and speed Coaches are going to love that. You know, as a guy who played on the outside in the slot, you know, he's fast enough that he can play on the slot, and he's a real matchup nightmare in the slot. Um, But, you know, obviously has the size to play the outside. Lots of potential. What I want to see is him to make a comeback in 2021, you know, get in the game, get some 100-yard games. If he can put up, like, 300-yard games down the stretch for the Georgia Bulldogs, you know, he he can play in some big games and you know, make make some big plays. I mean, this is a first-round pick. This guy would have been a top-ten pick in my book. I think he would have been the number one wide receiver drafted if it wasn't for that injury that he suffered. And maybe he comes back towards the end of the season, but I don't expect him to put up some huge numbers. Uh, just, it's a shame because I think him and JT Barrett were starting to form a little connection at the end of the season, especially during that Cincinnati game in the bowl game and he made some plays and I just I was excited about it because Georgia Bulldogs are always a running offense I mean they rely on their running backs and I think Barrett and Pickens would have would have been scary this year he's smooth he's a very good athlete he gets open he's quick in and out of his breaks he's an emotional player like he gets after it like he is not gonna back down he's gonna talk to defensive backs you mentioned that he's physical. I've seen plenty of times when he's chatting it up with these, you know, secondary players. His father actually played in the NFL. He's a wide receiver. His name is Carl Pickens. I remember him. He played for the Bengals. So he had a carved out a nice career there. I think he had like five or six hundred like receptions during his career. He was he was one of those guys, one of those favorite targets for Jeff Blake back in the day when the Bengals were airing it out so that's his dad and he's got a little pedigree coming out his dad played i believe at tennessee i don't expect them to come out in the 2022 nfl draft but if he was healthy he would have been the number one wide receiver drafted i just i have no doubts about it i expected him to put it all together as a junior just like cave on thibodeau and i thought he was going to take his his game to the next level anybody else you got you want to talk about Romeo Dubes from uh, Nevada? Yeah, Romeo Dobbs. Yeah, let's talk about him. I mean, he's an interesting guy just because he's not at the 
He doesn't play in those uh, Power 5 conferences. He's from Nevada. All this guy does is is get behind those those defensive backs in, in the Mountain West Conference. Yeah, uh, this is a guy who's an incoming senior. He's 6'2", 200 pounds. You know, definitely an outside guy. I kind of question, you know, why is he not in the Pac-12? You know, he's from L.A. You know, he went straight to Nevada from high school. They use him on screens as an outside guy. Uh, he's a good route runner. Uh, he needs to track the ball better. He's a guy who can win on deep routes with the speed. He actually has good technique and is a smart player who does the little things right. I mean, you see, you see like little things where you know he knows who to block on a downfield, or he seems to like improvise on routes and so forth. So this is a smart player, and maybe late first round, you know, that's where you have him in his mock, and that might be perfect place for him. There was another guy that played in the Mountain West Conference that has carved out a nice career for himself. He played at Fresno State. His name is Devonte Adams. He was uh, Derek Carter's favorite target back in the day. Devontae Adams wasn't a finished product when he came out, and he was a redshirt sophomore, I believe. And then he became, obviously, one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. I'm not saying Dobbs is the same player, but you just all you see Dobbs do is he's a lawn strider, and he just gets behind the, those defensive backs. And you just throw it up to him, and he's going to track it, and he's going to come down with it. Like, he breaks tackles, but the one thing that I want him to get better at is at the catch point. Like, in traffic. At times, he just kind of backs down. He loves the deep ball, but when it's a 50-50 contested catch, at times, he will have the drops. He won't come down with it. The defensive back would win. That's what I would like to see Romeo Dobbs improve at. I wish he would become a better route runner as well because they don't ask him to run the full route tree, and that's probably another knock on him. But him and Carson Strong, the quarterback from Nevada, they form a nice duo, and I expect that to keep going. A couple of guys I wanted to mention, Traylon Burks from Arkansas. He's a junior, a big guy that has the ability to make people miss. Uh, He's got the speed. He's got the size. An interesting guy. Again, Arkansas is kind of on the upswing there. I think Traylon Burks is definitely a guy to keep an eye on. Another player coming back from an injury is Justin Ross from Clemson. He missed the entire 2020 season. You know, as a freshman, he had 66 catches for 864 yards in 2019. Again, he had a serious injury to his neck, but he's got the size. He's got the ability to come up with those contested catches. We've seen Clemson wide receivers excel in the NFL. They've been drafted high. Mike Williams, T. Higgins. If Justin Ross comes back healthy, I mean, he's going to make a name for himself. Another guy to keep an eye on is John Mechie from Alabama. Look, he might not be as dynamic as Jalen Waddell or Devontae Smith. That's totally fair. You know, he's got the speed to get behind the defenses. And he's going to be the main target at, at Alabama this year in the passing game. And that's why I expect them to kind of take his game to another level. Another guy to to keep an eye on. Uh, I think he's a junior, right? Coming out. I expect him to be the main guy there. So those are a couple of guys that we wanted to put under the microscope. A couple of wide receivers to keep an eye on for the 2022 NFL Draft. I'm sure there are going to be a couple, of, a few more guys that emerge and come out of nowhere, but we basically covered the main underclassmen in the 2022 NFL Draft. All right, let's leave the the scouting world behind and let's get to the NFL. And let's talk about the the top five defenses for next season. 
you know, the NFL season is right around the corner. It's going to kick off in about two months. Let's start with number five. Number five, I got the Chicago Bears. They still have Khalil Mack, who I think is still a top two edge rusher in the league. Him and TJ Watt. They have a few guys who really flashed in the past. They're not doing as well, you know, in 2020. You know, they got Tayshawn Gibson Sr. and Akeem Hicks. You know, a couple guys who've really succeeded in the past. One weakness and one of the reasons I have them five is their cornerback group is really weak. If you want to beat the Bears, you you put two linemen on Mac and you throw the ball. All right. Who is your number four defense out there? My number four defense is the Los Angeles Rams. One of the reasons they're down there is because their linebacking core is weak, but they still have Aaron Donald, who I think is top two defensive player in the league. Could very well be the best again. Uh, you got Jalen Ramsey and Darius Williams. Corner duo, one-two combo, one-two punch as far as corners and those two guys. Yeah, the only thing is they lost their defensive coordinator. He's now the head coach for the the Los Angeles Chargers. But, yeah, the Rams were the number one defense last year. They lost some guys, though. I mean, Josh Johnson is, is one name that comes to mind. He went to the Cleveland Browns, but... Hopefully the Rams will be able to um, keep their high ranking. How about number three? Number three is going to make you happy. I got the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, Nick Bosa and Fred Werner, who are studs on the front seven. D. Ford, who's flashed in years. Um, you know, has been up and down in his career, but if he bounces back. I like the fact that Nick Bosa is coming back, and that's going to help. And Fred Werner has is, is been one of the better linebackers in this league, just period. I just think that combination, the 49ers are going to be better for it just because of some guys coming back from injury. How about number two, Ed? Number two, I got the Indianapolis Colts. They don't have a lot of weaknesses, which is good. I think adding Quiddy Pay is uh, you know, a nice addition to their defensive ends. I mean, DeForest Buckner, you know, they traded for him. That ended up being a real win. All right, so far, well, we've gone through four defenses. I don't have any of those teams in my top five. So I'm hoping that we'll finally agree on one defense, one top defense. Who do you have at number one? I'm at, you know, Cleveland Browns right now. I mean, they added pieces in John Johnson and Jadavian Clowney in free agency. I mean, they put in Greg Newsom and Jeremiah Wusakormo in the draft. Um, they're deep on the defense, deep in the secondary. This is a very talented defense. You get them playing together, they're going to be the best in the league. I agree with that. Yeah, the Browns should be number one just because their team is too damn talented to not be ranked number one. But at number two, I have to say I've, I've got the Tampa Bay Bucks just because of what they showed last year, especially in that playoff run, how they dominated the Super Bowl. And a lot of it had to do with that defense that they have. I would say at number three, I would put the Miami Dolphins there. I just think the Dolphins are too damn good to leave off this list. You know, that's the reason why they're going to go into the playoffs this year. Not because of Tua, but because of what Brian Flores is doing on that side of the ball. And I will also go with Washington. Washington also has to be on this list, and I'll put them at number four because their defensive line is probably the best in the game with Chase Young, Montez Sweat, Deron Payne, and, and Jonathan Allen. I mean, that's that's definitely the best defensive line out there um, across the board. Their secondary is a bit iffy, but if you can get to the quarterback, you're going to 
you know, able to diffuse some of the, that situation that you have on the back end. I've got Cleveland at number one. I've got the Tampa Bay Bucks at two. I've got the, the Miami Dolphins at three. And I've got the, the Washington at four. And I'll go with your Steelers at five, Ed. I have to go with them. When you have T.J. Watt there, he's still a scary, scary dude. If Aaron Donald is the number one defensive player overall in the NFL, then I think T.J. Watt has is, is got to be at number two. He's just one scary dude. And then you have Cameron Hayward, Stephen Tua, uh, and you know, have got Devin Bush. You've got Minka Fitzpatrick. It's too hard to argue with it. I've, I've got question marks about the Steelers on offense. You know I do. But on the defensive side of the ball, I mean, this is as good as it gets. And I've got to round off my top five with the Steelers uh, right there at number five. Well, certainly the Steelers have it in the defensive line department. They have it on the edge. Um, I have some questions about them at the cornerback position. Well, like I said, it's you, you can't have a perfect defense. But it seems like the Cleveland Browns have the everything covered. It seems like they have the, the defensive line. They've got some linebackers, and they've got the secondary. They've addressed it all over in free agency and the draft, and they've got starters. They've got backups. I mean, we'll, we'll see how good Cleveland is going to be this year, but it's not going to be the offense driving them. It's going to be the defense that's going to be their, their main thing this year. Thank you for listening to another episode of Bloodscast, and um, until next week, take care, everyone.